Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. One thing about a corpse, you can be sure, folks. Everybody's always trying to palm it off on the next guy. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. A wise man once said a good detective's brain is in his feet. I guess he meant footwork solves more crimes than brain work. Oh, Mr. My Aching Metatarsal. In my business, you rest your feet every chance you get. Any raised surface. Desk, table, the friendly lap. Off go your shoes and up go your feet. Ah. On this occasion, I had my feet high off the floor in a tavern, downtown along Bail Bond Row, waiting for a bail bondsman named Soloway. Sam Soloway. We had a date set up. Soloway poured his troubles out to me on the telephone. A rogues gallery pinup boy, Joey Florio, had skipped, leaving Soloway holding the bag for bail bond money. A cash loss big enough to give any bondsman a heart failure. $50,000. My feet were asleep when Soloway finally showed. A sad-faced little guy who looked as if he'd like nothing better than a good cry. Mm, Mr. Craig. Soloway, pull up a chair. I, uh, I kept you waiting. Through heartache, stardust, and melancholy baby. Huh? The, uh, chute box over there. It's been crying for half an hour. You look mopey, Sam. Mopey? Somebody should have strangled me before I became a bail bondsman. Craig, you've got to catch me a rat. Joey Florio? Joey Florio. He jumped bail, yes. But he's still here in New York. What makes you so sure? 
Sure, one thing, the police have every exit covered. Also, on the grapevine, I was tipped off that Florio stuck around to wind up his business. Close his horse parlors, collect all the cash he can, like a, like a man going away for a long time. Going where? Europe, somewhere. He's going to catch a plane for Europe. Just like that, huh? A fugitive racketeer under indictment, breezes into an airport, all smiles, and climbs aboard a plane. Oh, he has nerve, Joey Florio. It took nerve to become a high muck-a-muck of the racket. Exactly what do you want of me, Sam? Catch Joey Florio. I'll give you 10% of the bond money you saved me. You're a sucker for hiring me on the side. You've got the whole police department working for you for free, gratis. I feel safer with one man working for $5,000. Just how do you expect me to cover the airports? I've only got two arms and legs. Well, hire people. Just show me an expense account. Cover the airports and then cover my funeral. Because if I lose $50,000 on account of a rat like Florio, I'm positively going to shoot myself through the head. Hear that song, Sam? Sad, huh? So what? It's my nickel. The song takes me back, Sam. Way back. My first long pants. The girl named Gloria. Fine time for reminiscences. Blonde curls down to her shoulders. We had a portable Victrola going in a rowboat on Prospect Park Lake. Moon dust. The record we were playing was Moon Dust. Craig, please, you've got a job to do. Oh, maybe I should have married her, Sam. Better you remained a bachelor. A shamus in a world of hoodlums. How long can you live? Why take a nice girl and make a widow? Oh, Sam, come off it. You sure loused up a memory for me. <laughs> I covered the airports to keep Soloway, the bondsman, from attending his own funeral as threatened. I hired a half a dozen stooges for $10 a day and smoke. Get on your stations, men. It's a 24-hour watch, so load your pockets with K rations and carry a change of socks. The guy who comes up with Florio gets a $200 bonus and my love. Chance in a million. But I kept it going for a week with as much action as an icebox salesman at the North Pole. Then I gave up. Galloway, this is Barry Craig. That tip you got on Florio was a dud. I'm canceling out as of now. I'll send you a bill. Uh-uh. Coke seems no good. Neither is throwing hysterics. Keep my men squatting in the airport any longer and they'll start charging us rent. Goodbye now. I was through with Joey Florio's disappearance. That is, I thought I was through with it. I found out different exactly two hours after I crossed Soloway off my list of clients. The discovery began with me dragging up the ramshackle staircase in the midtown fire trap I had an office in. I'd about negotiated the walk-up when a scream stopped me dead in my tracks. At the top of the landing, I got a look at the screamer. It was Polly, the old Polish cleaning lady, complete with mop and buckets, staring banjo-eyed at a corpse curled up at her feet. A corpse in a merchant marine get-up. It took long minutes for Polly to find her voice. This man... This corpse. He come upstairs and knock at your door, Miss Craig. He knock once, twice. Then the other man... The killer. He sneak up behind him. And stabbed him. 
Which way did the knife go? Uh, not down, not with me on the staircase. Stop! He go off to the roof. Stick around, I'll be right back. I was right back, empty-handed. The roof led to skatey-eight exits in a four-block square. A perfect setup for a killer making his escape. I dragged a stiff into my office and then talked to Polly some more, getting nowhere. Now tell me, the knifer, what did he look like? Bad. A bad face. I see that face and I know that man no good. Sure, sure. There were character bumps on his face and you read them. But draw me a picture, huh? Height, build, how he was dressed. Some identifying marks, maybe. Oh, a short man. Yeah. And his hat pulled down yeah. over his face. I never forget he stabbed the sailor, then he stabbed him again. And again, and then again, yeah. Four separate wounds. I've counted them, but uh, give me more description. A short man, and his hat over his eyes. I never forget. A description to fit every second guy you pass on the street. I shoot Polly, and before calling the police department and making a clam bake out of it, I checked the dead man's pocket. There was nothing in them. Nothing to identify him. Just three crumpled dollar bills. Some silver, pocket knife, chewing tobacco, a key ring, and a clipping from a newspaper gossip column. Clipping about me. Confidential investigator Barry Craig, latest recruit in citywide search for Joey Florio. It is rumored that the missing mobster is worth 5000 to Craig, if he catches him. Picking my brains over why an unidentified merchant seaman would come see me and get murdered doing it when the phone rang. Craig speaking. I got information for you about Joey Florio. That is, if you're interested. Who am I talking to? General Grant. What kind of a guy? Look, I like knowing who I'm talking to. Then you're not interested in what I have to say. All right, I'm interested. What about Florio? He's at the Freedom Hotel on the Bowery. Making out he's a bum. Whoever said he wasn't. Well, uh, if you wish to get over there right away. Why right away? Florio's all set to move on to somewhere else. You really want him, it's gonna be right away. I see. Tell me now, General, sleeping up in that tomb on Riverside Drive like you've been, how'd you know I was interested in finding Joey Florio? It's been in the papers. I read it in the column. And why are you so interested in double-crossing Florio? For a cut in the five G's you're going to collect. Oh, how will I know who to pay a cup to if you don't identify yourself? I'll be around to collect when you catch Florio. Better hop to it on a double. Florio's not going to sit around waiting for you. Sure. I didn't go for the phony tip on where to find Joey Florio right away yet. Ten years as a confidential operative and you don't jump at bait like a steel in Central Park. You don't swallow everything an anonymous jerk disguising his voice on the telephone tells you. It's figured. Somebody wanted me out of my office, and right away. I stuck around to find out why, in a closed closet with my office lights out. I kept the closet door ajar just enough and waited for development. I didn't have to wait too long. There was a knock on my door. Somebody was satisfying himself that I was really out. I watched the door open and close, and the flashlight played slowly around the room. A lady caller it was. 
Blonde heartthrob and ballerina slippers and a page boy bob. I watched her bend over the court, open his shirt, reach in and unbutton a pouch he wore around his middle, something I'd never thought to look for. I had the pouch out of her hand in one grab. I'll take it, sister. No. Went right to it, huh? Like you knew exactly where he kept it. Give it back. The way you frisked that corpse. No nerves. No squeamishness. You could hire her out to an embalmer. Give me the pouch. Suppose we see what's in it to get a beautiful, real chummy like. Oh. Well, ship's paper, huh? Stacy Crocker, signed to the Star of Sharon. The date's freshly stamped like... Uh-oh. Pardon me for taking my eyes off you. Now... Hand those papers back at once or I'll shoot. Oh, don't, please. I'm fond of this suit. Your papers? Here. They're all yours. I ought to kill you. For identifying the stiff before you could get at your gun? Who killed him? I don't know. Now try for $4. Who was your stooge on the telephone with me a half hour ago? I don't know what you're talking about. For $8 now. Really concentrate on this one. Where's Joey Florio? I never heard of Joey Florio. Baby, let's not kid. But I'm not... Who is Joey Florio? Why should I know anything about him? Skip it. You going to shoot me before you leave? If you try to stop me. Oh, I won't, Donna Bright. I'll pick you up some other time when your gun isn't showing. You'll know who I am and just where to find me. Yeah, I'll know who you are by your picture. My picture? What picture? <laughs> Joke, I'm only kidding. Goodbye now, beautiful. If you're going. wasn't kidding. Blondie'd had her picture taken the minute she'd come waltzing in the door. An electric eye camera tooled into the far wall and trained on the door. Open my door and get photographed. I'd be looking her up later. First, I wanted the corpse removed from my premises. A gift from me to the good police lieutenant, Trav Rogers. After that, I wanted to know more about Stacy Crocker and the star of Sharon. Police headquarters... Lieutenant Trey Rogers, please. Tell him it's his mortician friend calling, Barry Craig. My interview later aboard the Star of Sharon, anchored off Pier 20, was short and sweet. The Captain Jameson was positive that he'd never seen or heard of a Stacy Crocker. I'm sorry, there's nothing I can tell you, Mr. Craig. Nothing whatsoever. A Stacy Crocker never shipped on the Star of Sharon, and to the best of my knowledge, was never assigned to this letter. Well, he had Star of Sharon papers on him, Captain. I saw them with my own eyes only an hour ago. Well, I can't answer for that, except that there's lots of bogus papers around. And lots of bogus talk. What? Lots of bogus talk. Why, you... Uh-uh. Try throwing me over the side, and we'll both play polywog in a drink. Thanks for nothing, Captain. <laughs> Sharon, on my way to police headquarters, somebody decided it was time to discourage me a little. A high-powered rifle shot from somewhere in an empty row of dilapidated buildings along West Street. It breezed close enough to my skull to give me a head cold. I got moving on the double. I had better luck at police headquarters. Trav Rogers had wormed into the case as snug as he could get. About that corpse, Craig. Oh, the corpse that uh, Ivy gave? <laughs> the next time you send a medal, make it a box of candy. <laughs> you were saying? Daisy Crocker was a professional informer. He'd come through with vital information. 
for a fee. Then Crocker came to me with information to sell. I'd say so. Got any idea who murdered him? No, not yet. You mean you're not telling? I mean I don't know. What about the girl, Sam? Does the picture match anything in police files? I suppose I'm a fool to tell you. Yes, it matches a picture filed with us when she applied for a nightclub hat checker's license. A nightclub hat checker's license? Why the skeptical look? She wore ballerina slippers. You know, capiccio. No heels, low to the floor. So? So I'm a little disillusioned. And a little crazy. I have a license application here. Her name is Myrna Wilson. The address she gave us is the Hotel Mohansic. What's your uh, position in this case, Craig? The usual 100% cooperation with the department. I'm your boy, and I don't cost you a cent. Jolly silly, of you. Who brought you into the case? Joey Florio is bail bondsman, Sam Soloway. I was to get 10% of the bond money if I beat the department to Florio. Does the murder of Stacy Crocker and this Myrna Wilson have to do with Joey Florio? If I said yes, I'd only be guessing. Well, I'll have to tear myself away now. Uh, keep in touch, Barry. Let's not compete. Sure, I'll keep in touch. Any cops I meet, you get first introduction. Oh, Trev. Yes, Craig. The star of Sharon. When does she sail? Midnight tonight. I suggest you search her from stem to stern. Just in case the disappeared Joey Florio does tie in with the murder of Crocker. And just in case Florio picks the star of Sharon as his way out. We have searched the star of Sharon. While you had your feet up on my desk and ordered my office around, I had 20 men go over every inch of the star of Sharon. Ah, clever man. I'm going to tell a taxpayer about you. Blondie was next on the agenda. A residential dump. The Hotel Mohansic. A lobby full of nice old ladies clacking their dentures. Sedate room clerk tending strictly to business. The business of taking numbers, that's. The dump reeked with refinement. If Blondie was surprised to see me, she didn't show it. As a matter of fact, it looked like she'd expected me and prepared for it. Soft lights and sweet music. There were hors d'oeuvres on a tray. Cordial glasses set around a colored decanter. And the smell of incense everywhere in the room. Is the party for me? If you want it to be, Barry Craig. You're uh, not surprised I came right to you? No. I knew you would somehow, sooner or later. You see, I made inquiries about you. Your reputation. What did my boosters say? That you're a bloodhound on the sense that you get things done. My ears are blushing pink. What are you softening me up for? I need a friend. A boyfriend? A champion. How about a taxi? No, I wouldn't be fool enough to underestimate you like that. I'm in desperate trouble. You're not kidding. Let's get rid of the musical background, huh? That merchant seaman was... Very, very dead. I had nothing to do with his murder, I swear. You tried to prevent my identifying him? Yes, but only that. Why only that? Stacy Crocker was an informer. He'd gone to your office to disclose certain confidential information. I already know that. Confidential information involving me. Involving you and what? Uh, robbery. I used my job as hatchet girl to play lookout for jewels worn by wealthy patrons. Here, I'll show you. Where? Are they real? Very real. Rings, brooches, tiaras, loot. How did you manage to steal them after scouting them? You don't look like a society raffle to me. I, uh, had a partner. And the lucky sidekick? Uh, 
Tex Kirby. I'm telling you the truth, Mr. Craig. Uh, Barry. Barry, huh? We're really getting cozy now. But let's hear Kirby's version of it. Hear Kirby's version, but how... But where is Kirby? Watch how I materialize people, beautiful. Okay, Kirby, you can come out of the kitchen now and join the party. Hey, you're smart, Greg. I learned to add two and two a long time ago in night school. I figured Blondie would have a chaperone hidden somewhere in the woodwork when a great lover boy like me came calling. I asked Kirby to be here in case you insisted on questioning him. Sure. Okay, I'm insisting. What about these jewels, Kirby? They're like Myrna told you. Me and her was working in together, stealing them. And you didn't kill Stacy Crocker? No. I only knew he was on his way to tip you off to our racket. So he could cut in on the insurance reward you'd collect. Well, so much for that. Now tell me about Joey Florio. I never met the guy. But you telephoned me Florio was at the Freedom Hotel on the Bowery. I telephoned you? Let's not get cute now, Kirby. Okay, it was me. I wanted to get you out of the way so Myrna here could frisk Crocker. How'd you know Crocker was in my office at all? And in the, uh, defunct state he was in? I tailed him to your place. I was downstairs waiting when a cleaning lady came running out into the street to tell the whole neighborhood that somebody shoved a knife in a merchant sailor upstairs. Smart boy, Kirby. You got all your answers worked out. Well, it's the truth. You cooked up a cute story, you two. But it's as phony as Blondie's eyelashes. Are you always so cynical, Mr. Craig? No, I believe everything I hear. But only on the eighth day of the week. Nice try, kids. I hope Joey Florio appreciates what you both tried to do for him. Florio, but we told you I repeatedly... Up, Marna. I oh. told you there was no use coming clean with Craig. Clean as last winter's unwashed socks. Do I walk out of here standing up, or do you two connivers have other plans for me? Maybe I have got other plans. Then for safety's sake, maybe I'd better take certain precautions. Oh. Bring him to, beautiful. Murder in Kirby's big try and big lie on behalf of Joey Florio was as easy to read as the ABC on a kindergarten blackboard. They'd outsmarted themselves the way phonies always do. I'd been fed a melancholy lie in a room lousy with monograms. Monograms on the sofa pillow, on the tablecloth, even on the silk lounging pajamas Blondie's been wearing. The monogram... J.F. J.F. for Joey Florio. It all boiled down to one simple truth. I didn't have to be the seventh son of a gypsy to figure it out. Florio planned to leave justice. Soloway the bondsman and the USA behind him. Not by plane, but on the Star of Sharon. Stacy Crockett come to sell me that when somebody stopped him. Then Kirby and Blondie did what they could to stop me from identifying Crocker. I'm tying Crocker in with the Star of Sharon. I was in a doorway along the waterfront at the quarter to midnight, 15 minutes before sailing time. There was a cop assigned by Trail Rogers on fixed post, watching the Star of Sharon until it sailed. Everything was as quiet as a graveyard for a while. Then the fireworks began with a rush. First came a scream. A woman screaming her head off around some dark corner. The cop on detail went running toward the screen, waving a service gun. I stood pat in the doorway. It was a decoy trick. It had whiskers on it. If it wasn't, even a woman getting herself murdered somewhere couldn't get me away from the star of Sharon. I played it right. With a cop diverted, a car rolled up to a fast stop right in front of the pier. I watched the guy jump out and the car shoot away. 
didn't have to guess who. Bail jumper Joey Florio, catching a freighter at the last minute. He was running for the gangplank when I fired a warning shot. Lower, step where you are! Florio shot cold and I went across to get him. Somebody had other plans for Florio. Somebody with a stuttering typewriter. When I finally got over to Florio, he had more holes in him than a Swiss cheese. over. The last I saw of Lieutenant Rogers, he was hitching a ride on the morgue wagon. I caught a cab to the home of Sam Soloway, bail bondsman. I had enough for a cruise around the moon and back coming to me, if I could sell a corpse to Sam. Hello, Sam. Greg? Uh, this time of night. I never sleep. Too many guns going off. Still want Joey Florio? I still want my $50,000. Is it still 10% for me? Bargains, bargains. In cash, right away. Right away? Well, it's crazy. It's after midnight. I know you keep that much cash on you. Guys get themselves in trouble with the law at all hours. I've seen you come running to post-cash bond in the middle of the night. Trade your regular fox. All right, cash. Here. Fifty hundred dollar bills. Now, when you got Joey Florio on. I turned them over to the morgue wagon. The morgue wagon? Florio was machine gunned to death less than an hour ago. What? Florio was murdered? Yeah. But he isn't worth crying over, Sam, so dry your tears. But she's worth crying over, Sam. Is she? That girl in the picture on your desk. Who is she? My daughter, Hannah. Hannah? <laughs> I know her as a hat-check girl calling herself Myrna Wilson. You didn't really expect to get away with it, did you, Sam? No, no, I guess not. All I wanted to do was see Joey Florio dead. And you sure did that. I didn't have to be too bright to know that you had some hidden motive in bailing out a bad risk like Joey Florio. I wanted him out of jail, in the open, where I could kill him. So you hired me to lead you to him. Before he either got away or the police steal him off from your vengeance. And you followed me around while I looked for Florio. Yes, yes. He turned my daughter's head. He dishonored me. I wanted to kill him myself. I'm sorry, Sam. Sorry you were fool enough to take the law in your own hands. Uh, you want your 5000 back? Huh. Keep it, Craig. You earned it. You're a good investigator. The trouble you're in, you'll need it, Sam. So I'm giving it back. That much money, I get fat and lazy. Besides, I didn't really earn it. As it turned out, I didn't catch up with Florida. Get your hat, Sam. On our way to police headquarters, we'll hire you a good lawyer. Maybe it won't go too hard on you for exterminating a rat. <laughs> your feet in my business every chance you get. Any raised surface handy. Off go your shoes and off go your feet. Ah, you drowse off wondering about things. Things like the bittersweet memories of an old song can stir up. A golden girl named Gloria and a portable victrola in a park rowboat. 
You wonder about the crazy anger that changes a sad-faced little bondsman into a murderer. Calloway. Poor, sad-faced Calloway. How will it go with him in court, you wonder? And you worry. You worry. Good night, folks. See you next week. to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, Corpse on Delivery, was written by John Robert. Next week, it's the strange story of the borrowed knife about which Barry Craig has this to say. One thing about marriage, folks, many are made in heaven, but there are others that are unmade by the forced application of the vow unto death do us part. See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Myrna was Amzie Strickland. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan, was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Don Pardo speaking. Now it's Meredith Wilson's music room on NBC. One thing about marriage, folks, many are made in heaven, but there are others that are unmade by the forced application of the vow, unto death do us part. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig. Confidential Investigator. Barry Craig speaking. That's the name, Barry Craig. You rent an office on the third floor of the old mercantile building. You've got a city license which says you're a confidential investigator. So, most of your life, you sit around and wait. Some of the guys in the business hire blondes and call them secretaries. Others confide in cab drivers, bend bartenders' ears, even buy dictating machines. Maybe it helps them forget that they're the loneliest guys in the world, because nobody really talks to you. The suspicious wives, the frightened parents, the desperate kids who walk into your office never even see you. To them, you're a license, a pair of ears, and sometimes a gun. Nothing human. And after a while, maybe you're not. It's open. How, how do you lock this door? There's a thing underneath the doorknob there. You slide it over. Oh, yeah. You're Barry Craig. Yeah. You're not doing very well, are you? I could write my name on the dust on your desk. What name would that be? Wilma Lord. How do you do, Miss Lord? Mr. Craig. Have you ever killed anyone? Not for a fee. Will you answer a question about the weather? I don't know much about the weather. Why'd you lock the door behind you, Miss Lord? I can't have anybody see me here. 
There's a woman comes around a couple of times a week. I'll speak to her about the dust. Oh, that's not... I'm going to marry a man named John Waring. Uh-huh. He's older than I am, a lot older. It's a question of taste. He's rich. Sweetens the taste. We're going to be married in a few weeks. I want nothing to happen to that marriage. I'll hire you. Cupid Craig, with a dollar sign in front of the Cupid. What do you think might happen? Death. Something wrong with Waring's health? You've heard of murder, haven't you? I've heard of it. Whose murder, yours or Waring's? <gasps> the door's locked. Whose murder? I can't say. Is there another way out? Back of the water cooler. Leads to the back hallway and the fire stairs. I- I'll phone you. Sure. Yeah? Get, get out of my way. That gun a little heavy for you? I said... Okay. Well? The day. Where's the day? You don't look too good. Where is she? Got a name for her? The day. Walked in the eye, seen her. And now you want to take another look? Why not? Give her back a knife. The floor stopped him. I kicked the door shut behind him. The knife he'd mentioned was angling out between his shoulder blades. I didn't want anybody to confuse him with a client. The homicide squad arrived and went to work. I don't like watching the boys. They're too smooth. I start thinking of all the stiffs they practiced on. I shut my eyes. Are we boring you, Craig? Lieutenant Rogers, I've seen it all before. Too bad. If only we could work out an entirely new approach. Then perhaps you'd watch us, hmm? Stop being so tough, Trav. Everybody's forgiven you for having gone to college. Thanks. You're welcome. Craig, the story's no good. The only one I've got on hand. I'll tell you why it's no good. The punk there with a knife in his back was on the Harry Otis payroll. Oh? Well, my lord is on the Otis payroll. Must be a large payroll. Among his varied and largely illegal activities, Otis also runs a separate club over on the east side. The Gilded Lily. Mm-hmm. You can have Wilma Lord for supper there six nights a week and twice on Sundays. It's too early for supper. In the last couple of months, Otis has been very busy. Hovering up. The Crime Commission? The Crime Commission. Mr. Otis is a very large target for them. He's been doing his best to shrink recently. Woman Lord could have come to you because she planned to concertize with the commission and wanted protection. Why me? You're big. You're good-natured. And, uh, well... I'm stupid? No, no, no. But you like to believe people when they give you a chance to. What about the wearing angle? Did she pick him out of the phone book? There is no wearing angle. John Waring happens to be a distinguished philanthropist. That means a guy with so much money even gives some of it away. Thanks for the translation. I still believe Wilma Lord's story. Why? Because she's young, beautiful? Because she looked you straight in the eye when she told you all? (laughs) No, Tram. Because she was nasty. Homicide wound up and went away. One nice thing about it, after they were through, the office no longer needed dusting. The clock in the church tower across the street made noises. So, after a while, did my stomach. But I was waiting for a phone call. Maybe the cops would get Wilma Lord before she could reach a phone. Maybe Wilma Lord had no intention of phoning me. I've been a sucker before. 
I prefer it to being a wise guy. So I listened to the bell, gnawed my stomach, and was rewarded. Hello? Mr. Craig? Yeah. Late, I thought you might have gone home. I'm still here. You're alone? Yeah. I've got to see you. That is, if after what happened you want to. I want to. I always believe a client. I didn't know you'd... You'd taken the case. Where do we meet? Well, not here at my apartment. It's too dangerous. Wait a minute. Would there be a couple of cops sitting on your lap by any chance? No. Why not? They've got an alarm out for you. Well, the apartment isn't in my name. Look, let's make it the park, the 67th Street entrance, in an hour. The park in an hour. Oh, Miss Lord. Yes. Don't bring a friend. I locked the office door. Nothing in the office worth stealing, but this way, maybe I could tempt a burglar. I felt underprivileged. I'd never been burgled. Hey, Mr. Craig. Never mind the glad greetings, Jake. Terrible tragedy you had, Mr. Craig. That's what I meant. Stop licking your chops and let's ride downstairs, huh? Terrible tragedy. Lieutenant Rogers says he didn't bleed much. You take the lieutenant's word for it. By the way, Jake, uh, did the corpse come up in the elevator? Lieutenant asked me that. A coincidence. Did he? Yeah. Come up in the elevator. Didn't have that knife in his back at the time, though. Maybe the elevator was too crowded. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. How about the girl? She come up the same trip? Lieutenant asked me that, too. Whatever made you give up that farm in Vermont, Jake? Got tired of watching the Four Seasons. What I told the lieutenant was, maybe she did come up in the elevator, but... But I didn't see her. Uh-huh. How about opening the door? And if she was young and pretty, like the lieutenant said, why, I'd have spotted her. Sure. After all your experience with the Four Seasons. Jake, how about... Oh, I keep forgetting... Craig. Yeah? In case anybody stops around and asks for you, what'll I tell him? Tell him I'm out checking a season. Good night, Jake. The park was close enough so I could take a couple of hamburgers aboard at Willie's wagon. A couple of hamburgers and a couple of the stuff Willie calls coffee. Willie keeps his coffee urn shined. I was facing it. What I saw in the urn looked like what you see in the distorting mirrors in the Coney Island Funhouse, except not so funny. Willie! You got a complaint? Take it up with the mayor. Take a look over my left shoulder, Willie. That's gorgeous. You want I should pin a gardenia on it? Somebody looking into the wagon had his face plastered against the window. I don't want to turn and tip him off. Huh? You hitting the pipe again? No face. I bet you inhale, too. Oh, forget it, Willie. He must have ducked. Here. Take that up with the Bureau of Internal Revenue. Boy, you throwing dough around. What's the matter? You had a horse in the fifth? No. I had a corpse in the third. The park was half a dozen blocks over and west. I couldn't spot a tail on me, which didn't mean a thing. Good tails don't get spotted, especially working on me. I'm easy to keep in sight from a long way off. Nobody had moved the park around. The 67th Street entrance looked cozy and dark. I tossed a mental coin, came up heads, 
meant I should go home and spend a few hours asleep. Then I cheated. I went on into the park. An investigator's job is a funny one. Either you play it hard and believe nobody, which is fine. It's safe. You stay out of trouble. Maybe after ten years, you're growing ulcers because nobody likes you. But an ulcer never killed anyone yet. Or else you believe people. Then you've got trouble. You're not smart. Except maybe it's not a choice. Kept getting darker. Not a choice because it depends on the way you're built. The way I'm built, you stick your neck out. I did. Only warning was a slide of feet on the gravel path. If you hit on the head hard enough, you get knocked out. All you remember afterwards is getting up. It's a memory you're willing to trade cheap. The guy looks like he is returning to us, Mr. Otis. He might have fractured his skull, people. Private eyes have got very mm. thick skulls. All I know oh. is I read about them all the time. Private eyes are always getting bopped on the skull. It don't bother him. It bothers me. People help the gentleman. Never mind. Mr. Craig. I've got a headache. I'm sorry, Viper is so enthusiastic. Send them over a little closer to me. I'll calm them down. <laughs> I'm afraid not, Mr. Craig. Viper is armed. He was acting on instructions from me. Was he supposed to bring me in alive? <laughs> I'm not that funny. How did he find me in the park? He trailed you there from your office. Uh-huh. Rather a cold, unpleasant night, Mr. Craig. You often walk in the park. I managed to get there from time to time. You wouldn't have been meeting anyone there? I could use a couple of aspirins. Hmm. Beeper was perhaps a little impatient. How was I supposed to know he had a point? Beeper. I beg your pardon, Mr. Otis. Well, Craig? I could still use those aspirins. I see. Well, perhaps it isn't very important. What's more to the point... Mr. Craig, you had a visitor this afternoon. I had lots of visitors, most of them in uniform. <laughs> I'm referring to the gentleman who preceded the police, the gentleman whose untimely death was responsible for the visit. You didn't happen to kill him by any chance? The cops didn't think so. They might be prejudiced. Also, you may have pleaded self-defense. Otis, you know better than that. A man like you has pipelines to the department. Very well. A question, then. What was the gentleman... You mean the punk with the knife in his back doing in your office? He was dying there. Hey, I'm hearing music. A ringing in my ears? A rather good little orchestra. They'd be insulted by your description. Don't tell them about it. This wouldn't happen to be the Gilded Lily, would it? You know the place? Sure. Some of my best friends have had supper in it. What was Jimmy doing in your office? A punk? He might have been looking for a confidential investigator. Oh, for what purpose? To help him find his lost innocence, maybe. Beeper. I'm not joking. What job was he doing for you? What makes you think he was doing anything at all for me? He was on your payroll. Indeed. The cops told me. They're blabbermouths. Mm, pity about the civil service. Things would be so much easier otherwise. You could buy more for less, huh? You're not going to tell me why Jimmy came into your office? I didn't say that. I'll tell you why. He was looking for the owner of the knife in his back. Oh. He never got around to telling me who it was. 
Would you like some information? Very much. At what price? We'll discuss that later. The information goes like this. Your boy came up in the elevator. He didn't have the knife in him then. He did have when he got to my office. So... Someone presented him with a knife someplace between the elevator on your floor and your office. Yeah. One thing more. It wasn't right outside the office door. Oh? He got it near the elevator. He went down. There were a couple of bloodstains on the hall floor indicating that. He went down, stayed down for a while, pulled himself to his feet and made it to me. Why? You didn't like my previous suggestion? No. Craig, whom did Jimmy follow to your office? It'd be nice to know, wouldn't it? I mean, for me. Because you know, don't you? You mentioned something about a price for the information. What price? What do you think about matrimony? I have no time to discuss philosophy at the moment. Or philanthropy? Beeper. Yeah, Mr. Otis. Up until this moment, I've been considering Mr. Craig an honest, if somewhat stupid man. Now, I'm not so sure. Yeah? Either of his honesty or of his stupidity. I can get your references on both counts. I would like to be sure, Beeper. I take him apart. Unless Mr. Craig would like to tell us another story. I'm out of story. You're in trouble, however. Beeper, we want Mr. Craig to explain his remarks about matrimony and philanthropy. Yeah, hold it, Craig. I wouldn't mind plugging you in a leg, say. Give me an excuse. You're going to stand and take it nice? Okay. Take it. I hope the gun barrel don't scare you permanent. How about putting your arms behind your back, huh? Going to start getting painful soon. Thanks. Now, hey, who? Opportunity knocks. No, Otis. I've just inherited a gun. Beepers. You weren't expecting company. Mr. Otis, I've been knocked unconscious. I've been pistol-whipped. Maybe I'm sore. I wasn't expecting company. Yeah, that's the reason Beeper was startled. All right, open the door. Let's see who it is. Hello, Mr. Otis. The Marine. Hello, Trav. Hi, Craig. Mind if I come in? The office belongs to Otis. You're holding the gun. That belongs to Beeper. Beeper? He's lying down. Tired? He ran into a doorknob. Have a gun on him. Thanks. Who knows? Maybe he has a license for it. We'll see. Exactly what do you want here, Lieutenant? We've had the place staked out. Nobody we were interested in showed up. I got the report that a big man was carried in. Turns out it was Mr. Craig. That's how it turns out. The place staked out? Then you're looking for... If nobody minds, I'll get up. In a hurry, Barry? I'm late. For what? A date. Now, wait a minute. Way it looks, you were slugged and brought here. I guess it does look that way. You could prefer charges. Uh-uh. It was all in fun. That wealth across your face doesn't look funny. One of the reasons I'm in a hurry. What? I want to have the nasty little bruise kissed away. Lieutenant Rogers didn't argue with me. He wanted conversation with Otis and Beeper. Nobody had mentioned Wilma Lord yet. Not Otis, not Trav. But they were thinking of her. So was I. I tried to park. A couple of hours had died since the appointment, but I had to make sure. I made sure. Maybe Wilma Lord had been waiting for me. Maybe not. Either way, she wasn't waiting anymore.
Trav would annoy Otis for a while. He had nothing to hold him on. He had nothing to hold Beeper on. For a while, Otis and Beeper would be busy with the lieutenant. After that, they might be busy about something else. I remember Trav's definition of a philanthropist. I could use some money. My name is Barry Craig. Yes? You're John Waring? I am. Mind if I come in? It's rather late. So late you sent the butler to bed, huh? Well, that is hardly... Who did you say you were? Barry Craig. Should I know you? Yes. Why? Because you're a philanthropist. Good night. I didn't finish. Because you're a philanthropist about to get married. Come in. Thanks. In here, if you please. Now then, your name is Barry Craig. Uh, You're a reporter, perhaps? Not exactly. Then why your interest in my... Marriage? I've been hired to make sure it goes through on schedule. Hired? By whom? Your fiancé. My... Didn't I use the right word? You mean Miss Lord? How many girls were you planning to marry? Craig, I permitted you to enter my home because you seem to know about... about my marriage. I didn't expect you to insult me. I'm sorry. Blood gets on my nerves. Blood? A man was murdered in my office today. Then that's why... That's why what? Nothing. Uh, This man was murdered. Had he any connection with... Your marriage? Yes. What do you think? I can't think anything about it. I'm confused. So confused you haven't thought of offering me a drink. I beg your pardon. Oh. Yeah. I could almost think you were expecting me. That's two glasses you've got sitting on that coffee table. I... With the drinks in them. One's rye by the color, the other... Uh, Mr. Craig, you're in my home. Looks like cream de menthe. A girl's drink. I suppose it's too much to expect the behavior of a gentleman from a confidential investigator. Yeah. We're the sordid type. I had an appointment with Miss Lord. She kept it, didn't she? Why don't we ask her? Ask nice drapes you've got. Pity they don't quite reach the floor. Now, look here, young man. Never mind, John. Hello, Miss Lord. Hello. Did you decide the park was too cold at this time of the year? I... What made you come here? You wouldn't be holding up in your apartment, listed in your name or not. The cops are bright nowadays. Well... Where else would you duck for cover? It was simple. Lucky for me, it was simple. I get confused easy. What do you want? You hired me to do a job. I believe you. I always believe my clients. Sometimes I'm suckered, sometimes not, because sometimes clients don't expect to be believed. I resent all this... Don't be in too big a hurry, Mr. Waring. Miss Lord was afraid that the marriage was going to be interrupted by murder. Murder? She didn't get around to telling me whose murder, yours or hers, because another murder happened to somebody else. I didn't... Somebody on Harry Otis's payroll. Whose idea was this marriage? I... I asked Miss Lord to be my wife. And she said yes. Why? I love... You don't have to laugh at me. Harry Otis, you were on his payroll too, Miss Lord. The crime commission was getting ready to ask him questions about his business, his tie-ins with officials, his, uh, backers. I must ask you... You were going to say leave. Let's pretend it was explained. Wilma Lord's young. She's beautiful. Maybe she could have wrangled a marriage offer out of you anyway. But her working for Otis can't be a coincidence. Sure you asked her to marry you. After she told you she knew about your connection with Otis, 
My connection? Financial. Dollar bills don't have pedigrees on them. That's a shame. How many of the dollar bills making up your bank account came out of Harry Otis's dirty enterprises? This is absolutely, absolutely unwarranted. No. Up until five minutes ago, it was a guess. A stupid guess. Because I couldn't figure any other reason for the whole deal. Now it's not a guess anymore. It's not a guess <laughs> anymore. Hello, Otis. I've been expecting you. And the gun. That's nice. Beepers outside with a gun, too. And the car? With a motor idling? Another stupid guess? Sure. The stupid ones give the most trouble. If you'd had brains enough, Craig, you'd have stayed out of this. I couldn't. I was hired by Miss Lord. I had to, Harry. I was I afraid. had you set up. Waring was going to marry you, so you couldn't testify against him. Why'd you bury the knife in Jimmy's back? I didn't. I had him on you all the time. Would you have had any reason for killing him, Otis? What reason? Not even a stupid guess. Otis. Yes. This, this squabbling, it's unpleasant and uh, a waste of time. Meaning what? Whatever Miss Lord did or didn't do, Mr. Craig is now in a position to inform the Crime Commission of... of... Our business association? Yes. That would be disastrous. Not only for myself, but for you as well. I, uh, I hesitate to suggest anything violent, but, uh... But what choice have we got? Precisely. No, there's been... Shut up, Wilma. You've still got Jimmy's death to account for. Oh, you... You... Miss Lord! What? Don't drink that! What are you talking about? Way. You in a hurry to die? The man is, is insane. Otis. Yeah, Otis. The man looking for a murderer. What was wrong with the drink? Another guess. A solid one this time. Wilma Lord's wanted by the police for the murder of your punk. Wilma Lord disappeared. Suppose she died in this house. Waring would have the body what? Buried? Burned? Either way, no more Wilma Lord. The cops would spend the next century looking for her. The case would be closed. Oh, no. Also, John Waring wouldn't have to marry her. He'd be rid of a witness against him. What he had in mind for you, Otis, I wouldn't know. But he had something in mind. Then he'd be free. He could go on being philanthropic. This is... It's childish melodrama. Murder's melodrama. Only it's not childish. Mr. Waring, when I walked in here, you asked me if I was a reporter. The gag being you'd never seen me, heard of me before. But a little later on, you said something about a confidential investigator not being a gentleman. He must have followed me, too. You said Wilma Lord had kept her appointment with me. How did you know? If she told you, you wouldn't have confused me with a reporter. If she didn't... Wait a minute. He was checking on her because he was planning to get rid of her. But your boy Jimmy spotted him on the third floor where my office is. Nobody else would have had any motive for killing him. Waring had to because it tipped his hand about his plan for the girl. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Then suppose you drink this, huh? I... I detest creme de menthe. Drink it, Waring. I... I shall leave now. I find this highly... I distinct. said drink it. You're being a fool. A fool. Had to be done. Done. The reason I knew the drink was poisoned. Take a sniff at it, Otis. Don't bother. A deep sniff. So sorry. Got it in your eyes. Thanks for the gun. Hey, you... Mustn't lose your temper. Waring killed Jimmy. Sure. But you had to kill Waring, didn't you? If you'd turned him over to the cops, he'd have blabbed. The Crime Commission. Beeper! Beeper? <laughs> you know something, Otis? You must be a sinking ship. That was it. All wound up, I went home, I slept. The next day, I was back on the third floor, being lonely. 
How do you lock this door? There's a thing underneath the doorknob. Oh, you remembered. Somebody following you again? No. I just don't want to be interrupted. At what? Thanking you. I don't have any money. I'm not marrying a rich man anymore. But I don't think you'll mind. Oh. I always believe a client. Good night, folks. See you next week. been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Tonight's story, The Case of the Borrowed Knife, was written by Lou Vitez. Next week, it's an exciting story titled Dead on Arrival, about which Barry Craig has this to say. Next week, I devote my time to a bashful blonde, an escaped lunatic, and a stone-cold corpse. And brother, is it murder? See you next week, folks. Featured in the role of Wilma was Elspeth Arick. Barry Craig, starring William Gargan is under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Don Pardo speaking. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. This Sunday night, be sure to hear The Big Show with a full 90 minutes of outstanding entertainment. This Sunday, The Big Show will present such stars as Sophie Tucker, Morton Downey, Ann Sheridan, Jerry Lester, and your glamorous, unpredictable hostess, Tallulah Bankhead. The Big Show brings you a sparkling program presenting drama, comedy, music, everything to provide you with the biggest show in radio. Yes, for people in the know, Sunday means The Big Show on NBC. Then later, Sunday night, Theater Guild on the Air presents Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton, starring lovely Claudette Colbert and MacDonald Carey. Yes, there's 60 minutes of top-flight drama coming your way this Sunday as Theater Guild on the Air brings you Age of Innocence. And for photos as well as feature articles on your favorite NBC stars, be sure to buy the current NBC Silver Jubilee issue of Radio TV Mirror Magazine. This Sunday... Hear the best, hear the big show, and Theater Guild on the air, both on this, your NBC station. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Grime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.